0: Kayata of the Kobliad, Vantica, or maybe Vantica, oh yeah, Synaptic Pattern Displacement, Lieutenant Freeman, oh yeah, make, me, live, oh yeah, it's time for the Rules of Acquisition.
1: Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be talking about the greatest Star Trek Series that ran concurrently to the next generation (laughs) Uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hello. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, fellas. Uh, I'm Wade Bowen, of course. And yeah, that's what we're talking about. And more specifically, tonight we're talking about the eighth episode of season one called The
2: Passenger. Yes. Yeah. We, uh, this episode aired on February 22nd, 1993. According to the IMDb description, it goes Rao Van Tika, a captured criminal, is badly burned and dies in Bashir's arms. But the criminal's captor believes he is still alive. So, uh, what did we think about this? Any initial thoughts right off the bat?
3: Uh, I will say initially that there is a lot of good mixed in with some. Poor acting choices.
2: Yeah, but,
1: yeah. Oh my God, Julian later on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Later on. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, no. Holy, uh,
2: actually, right, right away. Julian is awful. In fact, my notes go. You know, the first thing I have written down is Julian is the worst, and then the second <laughs> thing I have written down is Quark is the worst, <laughs> and then uh, then it moves down from that to. Lieutenant Premon is the worst. Uh,
3: And and, I liked Lieutenant Premon. He was, uh, he's my favorite addition to this episode.
2: I really, yeah, no, I'm going to defend Premon. Okay. So later on, but but. all right, no, 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 no. I just thought that I was going to hate this episode. Like, I'm like, Oh Christ, am I going to end up hating this? And then it, Was redeemed, I think. It
3: bloomed a little, and then it. it, To me, the acting choices at the end end. Oh boy! And the central mystery is, and there's a reason for that. I'll get into that when we get into Bashir's acting choices at the end. Because there actually is uh, a lot of trivia on what happened in the set there.
1: Okay, something must have happened. Cause... Something
3: happened. Okay, so... Um, oh, boy. I think it bloomed into, like, a pretty interesting episode, except for the fact that the mystery is so tele- telegraphed... Right. ...that I don't even... There was zero mystery in it to
2: me. No, there was no mystery at all. Yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty obvious... To anybody who's seen an episode of Star Trek, any of the iterations of Star Trek, it's obvious what happened from that first scene when Bashir finds the criminal, doesn't listen to the lady who knows the criminal and insists on trying to save him anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Spoiler, the criminal transfers his consciousness into Bashir and Bashir... Uh as the criminal. He does it while saying, make me live. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I feel like this episode again is one that is like another Star Trek obligation episode. <laughs> now we have the, the member of the crew is actually turned into a bad guy episode. Yes. Except it handles some it moves to the, the ball down the field a little bit and actually, you know, does some interesting stuff with station life and the difference between the Bajoran. Provincial government and you know Starfleet. Yeah, everything
3: with Primus. I don't know much about like the actor because I guess you know whatever. he I think he was Star Trek Five. Sure, but the 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 scenes in that sec- sequence of scenes in the middle with Quark and Odo at the bar, Primen's conversation with Odo after that, the Primus coming in like a cock on the bridge, and then Cisco's kickdown of him. And then the next scene, which is primmin going with his tail between his legs to fluff up Odo, and then it turns out that there's this giant security breach that Odo didn't see coming.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
3: So everything about those beats, I thought, good story construction. For that leg, I was along for that ride. I almost forgot that there was a, you know, a supernatural murder caper going on around it.
1: Yeah. Can we... Oh, man, Julian, this... <laughs> From the very beginning, he hasn't been good at all for this whole series so far. So
3: let's separate. Are you talking about El Sadig Fidel not being, or Ale, let's call him Alexander Cedig.
1: I'm talking about the character sucks. The character sucks, yes. Yes. Even from that <laughs> opening scene that he's in here, it's like, okay, oh, they're not even trying to make him likable. They're actively making him, his whole existence in this whole series so far has been a cad. Yeah, he's a, he's a Disney villain. Of him doing things that... Are completely unlike. Yeah. There's nothing trying to make them like, especially at the beginning of this, he's talking like, oh, I do everything perfectly, blah, blah, blah. <laughs>
3: yeah. The, all of the characterization he's been given in those sort of first moments. And they do it a lot. It's eight episodes, but I feel like there's a ton of episodes we've seen of him horn dog and after Dax a lot. Now we get to see Odo and Quark horn dog after. Right. But you get to see him horn dog after act pick up a girl to bar with his stupid ass story about graduating medical school.
1: Right. right. Taking the test <laughs> was so dramatic.
3: And then you get to see him being like a full pure braggart here. Yes, he is like a, a Disney villain. He's like the guy in the red what's his name? Gaston?
1: The yeah. Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yeah, That's right.
3: That's exactly what he's like. <laughs> he's like a Disney villain.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't understand why we get so much screen time with him. They clearly, he's not interesting on any level. He doesn't have any arc through any of this. It's just like every episode he's awful and they showcase it for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Dax has done nothing but give readouts on screen for every episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like this episode is the first episode where they try to give Julian an arc. Yeah. And there's not much of an arc it's he's an asshole at the beginning and at the end of the episode he's learned a lesson about being an asshole what, what? What was the lesson? Oh, at the end of it, he was like, oh, I guess I was wrong. I guess I have to learn to be humble now. It's the last, his last line basically says that much. And then that's like, okay, maybe
3: But none of the bad things that he did or anything that came out of that was due to his arrogance or whatever. So it's not like through his arrogance, he brought about the, what's his name again? It's the spirit of Hannibal Lecter? Rao. Oh, right. Yeah. Tika. R-A, vantica vantica yeah
1: yeah vantica yeah that's yeah right. but it's not like
3: through his arrogance he allowed vantica to come into him. if cisco was the first one through the
2: thing vantica would have taken over cisco if, yeah so it's not like well it was his ear arrogance because she told him don't go in there and he's like i gotta go in there i'm a doctor yeah but- and his old i'm a doctor damn it thing like cisco or odo would have been like what do you mean don't go in there And she would have said, it's a dangerous criminal. And they would have, oh, fuck it. They're pragmatic, you know? Yeah,
3: but that's a subtle... I mean, you're right. I, I get what you're saying. And I think that that would be the way they're written. But that's a subtle sort of cue because in the moment, it plays as Federation altruism. No. It, the, I'm going to help a guy die who's done
2: No. No. It plays as if they set it up with nobody know, like, you know, Nana Visitor was talking about how she had never seen any sort of medical. They're playing it up as if it, his ego has had a huge boost because he's so brilliant. Yeah. And then he's, he's still riding high on that and disregards that lady's plea to leave the guy alone because he's such a great medical healer and then he you know learns his lesson at the end james i think what's what the problem is is that they don't that that's what they were going for but they didn't convey it very well at all
1: like that's what i'm saying yeah they put it in like he has a line basically i forgot what it is at the end i guess i learned a lesson or just something Mm -hmm. it's like two notes i'm an asshole and then oh i learned something at the end but it's just like one little... So the
3: story of this episode and the script for this episode was that it was way overwritten by committee by Michael Piller and Ira Bayer. It was pitched. I don't know the guy who's pitched its name, but it sounds like it was pitched by um, Charlie Kaufman's twin brother <laughs> because it was pitched.
1: <laughs> what?
3: It was pitched as um, the lady, the semi pretty lady with the, the cop.
1: Oh, right, right.
3: Was infected with Vantica. Right. So she was the cop and the criminal.
1: Yeah, that's what they try to convince the audience is what's happening. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, it was pitched as that, and Bashir, his horn dogginess drew him. He started kind of loving her, and then, like, as the show went on, he had to make choices to work with her or to not believe her, or you know. And, and...
1: <laughs> so, even even with that, they just still like, oh, Julian has one thing; he's <laughs> yes. a horny dick.
3: Yeah, but I think they tried to move it. Maybe maybe take take it about being a horny dick and move the ball there. That's something. Instead sure. of start with a horny dick and then turn him into I'm infected with a Hannibal Lecter monster and then move on from there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The whole thing with who Vantica is, there's like one whole thing where they're like, Oh, he's in the scripture as a villain and then they never talk about that again. It's like, whoa, he's a religious figure as well. What? Yeah, I, And then they just like, Oh, we're just been chasing him. That's what her life is about.
3: And that she's faked all these these deaths before and all of this kind of stuff and he's done all this stuff to stay alive.
1: Right. And for a second I was like, Oh, Deep Space Nine brings religion into Star Trek. That's interesting. Or 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 to
3: try making like I guess like a Doc, is it Vandal Savage? Isn't that like a Vandal Savage
2: or Vandal a... Savage in the Vandal group? Savage? Yeah. Basically, this episode moves the fo- ball down the field a little bit with dealing with the clash between Starfleet and the Bajoran crew, mm-hmm. and that's actually the most interesting, it's the most interesting aspect of this episode. It, was that aspect supposed to be its own episode?
3: No, it was added in as a place filler because they didn't have O'Brien. And I don't know if...
2: Uh,
3: and I think it was probably thrown in by Rick Berman. Really? It seems to me. There's a lot of finger pointing. Like, if you go to Memory Alpha and read all of the sort of the, the sort of comments that all the writers have said, there seems to be a lot of finger pointing. And the guy who pitched it said that they talk, they coaxed me into a lot of changes that I agreed to, and then just because I wanted a TV show on the air,
1: mm-hmm.
3: I wanted them to ultimately say yes. Which just goes down to the point that there's still Except in just dudes off the street pitching the show, I know. And so that's that's like unheard of these days.
1: That's one thing I like. Well, I mean, yeah, about starters. Like, oh, you could still send spec scripts, in. that's how Brian Fuller got started.
3: Yeah, but that's great if that you send in a spec script.
1: If you got Brian Fuller,
3: <laughs> well, it's great if you're Brian Fuller. But no, it's also great if you take that spec script and say, let's move that guy into the writer's room. Mm -hmm. work him over a bit work with him for a month or so and then he can pitch an episode in our calendar in our overarching story calendar it's just probably how they do it now right so it's still good you're off the. i mean you're still taking someone off the street but you're not yeah
1: well they don't do it now that's the whole thing
3: yeah you're not just handing them the eighth episode yeah because what it was is they i think they just committed it to death and just talked it to death
1: probably it sounds like yeah that whole religion throwaway bit sounds like yeah somewhere someone had an idea for that that they
2: didn't do most of the problems with this episode i didn't feel like were in the script i felt like most of it was the actual direction mm-hmm. of how it's like you know some, some of the action was shot some of the scenes were clumsily blocked i guess and then the, of course <laughs> the the acting choices the absurd acting choices by uh sadig i mean it was just Can we talk? okay should we talk about this
1: yeah Go for it! Uh, oh, oh, we should definitely talk about it. Okay, <laughs> so this is where the Alexander Day in giving that awful, I, awful hello. <laughs> I am a. Uh, it reminded me. There's a tall dwarf song that has a dumb, weird. <laughs> I'm talking weird part to it. That it's exactly what <laughs> oh my God. Julian sounded like. But I don't expect our audience to know that uh, you know a New Zealand. band Band. from the 90s
3: (laughs) talking about songs. They spent a good portion of their script setting up and even the shooting of this episode by giving Quark a song to sing in the bar during his scene with Odo.
1: What? Did I forget that? Did he (laughs) sing a song? (laughs)
3: No, he doesn't. But they wanted him to for this episode. Oh my god! Which, which is the first time you've actually seen Pork commit a crime is on this episode. So they wanted to just give him a song to make him
1: likable. Okay, yeah. Your whole thing in the we were talking about before about like yeah. Cork is not elsewhere, and he's like a Disney version of that. Yeah. It's like, well, oh, hey, he does have schemes. He is a criminal. There's that.
3: Yeah, he's commissioning mercenaries and murder. Yeah, like, I mean, that. But anyway, so they worked on him making a song. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, okay, so on set, they kept saying to Julie to Alexander Siddig that they wanted a Hannibal
2: Lecter-type performance. They kept saying that. Oh, no. So he got a VHS tape of, of, <laughs> of Silence of the Lambs. And gave him a bad impression.
3: <laughs> yeah, so he was doing a slow
2: accent
3: originally.
1: It's worse than that, though.
3: Well, no, it's worse than that because I, I figured out why, because I, I watched it, then I read this, and then I went back and rewatched his scenes at the end. So what happens is is that he's giving this uh Rick Berman called it an almost Bella lugosi like performance.
2: <laughs> That's perfect.
3: During the when he's Vantica and so he's talking really slow and in like a, a Hannibal Lecter-like performance. And then they, I guess they don't fix it on set. They don't tell him no like when he starts it. So they shoot the entire episode with him doing that. Rick Berman sees it and like, this is fucking awful. Fix it. And instead of going back and refilming it, he just re-ADR'd it. With his normal voice, but he's having to match the re-
2: incredibly slow pace that he's speaking. No way. Oh. With his normal voice. So what we saw was... Dis-
1: and did they ADR it one word at a time? <laughs> well, I think he... <laughs> I was like, but, oh, okay, just say this word. Okay, cut. All right, say this word. Because, man, it's he's just talking in...
3: I think that he was doing, like, if you could imagine Alexander Siddiqui trying to do a bella Lugosi-like performance, like, that you could see dragging these words out, but when he goes back and he has to talk in a bella Lugosi-like, it just, it can't work, so it's that he's talking in his normal accent over the slow pace of his mouth. And that just
1: creates. Oh, okay. The goal. Watch again. I was like, oh. I want to share this tall dwarf song that I'm thinking of, so that I can actually okay point out how it's similar. <laughs> but I'll do that later. Okay, add
3: that in. <laughs> so that that's how that performance came out that way. And
1: Alexander Siddig is kind of pissed that they did that. <laughs> yeah, I would be too, because yeah, man, making me look bad. Well,
3: not only that, but I mean, I'm sure he's like, well, tell me to fix it on set
1: so I don't
2: look like a like an idiot, like, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't think that's – I think Alexander – I think Sadeg should have actually just vetoed the whole – he should have come up – that's kind of lazy to steal uh, Anthony Hopkins' characterization of a character. (laughs) And he's blaming – and then he blames other people when it turns out shitty. That's –
1: No, you're not – hey, it's blending though. It's not Anthony Hopkins. It's Anthony Hopkins plus Bella.
3: Lugosi. Lugosi. (laughs) Yeah, let me see here. Uh, like, how old was he when this came out? Because that's what I. Because he may have just been so. Well, this came out in 1993, and he was born in '65, so he was yeah he was 30.
1: So I'm get... Math. <laughs> he was
3: 28. <laughs> he knew better, is what we're trying. To... I was I was hoping he was like 22, and then I would have given him a pass.
1: <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> He's 28, so uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's a rough, man. I, I get the feeling. Yes, he probably. I'd be upset if I were him. <laughs> He's like God, making me look like an asshole, Rick. Berman. That's why you
3: have a Re- Renee and Abersjahn. That's why you have a grizzled old vet on your on your baseball team, right? Because mm-hmm. he can pull you aside mm-hmm. and
2: go, "Dude, this is awful. Stop it." Yeah. Did they share any scenes together, even? I mean, Avery Brooks should have. Yes, Avery Brooks. Is, or maybe he
3: didn't either. Because maybe those calm scenes, you know, maybe he shot his side of the... It's a grip saying it,
2: breathing the script. The- yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, release the trap, the beam. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Okay, guy. Yeah. <laughs> You got that? <laughs> yes <laughs> pretty much like that, right? Yeah, that was a nice little radio play in the middle of this podcast. <laughs> that was
1: that. That <laughs> was great. Yeah.
3: No, thanks. But I was going to say because what's happening in that scene is actually kind of interesting. You know that essentially vantica is holding a body hostage, and that's kind of interesting and all of that. So
2: I mean, like that could have like but you're not nobody's paying attention to the idea nope. because it's so absurdly executed. It's it's awful. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <it's- laughs> My thinking is is that this is when. Uh whenever a Star Trek uh, actor steps into gets their body taken over or anything like that in all of Star Trek universe, mm-hmm. you really get to see like kind of like their chops. Like whenever Leonard Nimoy got anything happened to him differently, whether he was on that planet and the goofy pollen made him all fucked up. Yeah. You know, you actually got to see that Spock is just a characterization. He's a great actor to look at. You could see how versatile they are. I mean, you could see with uh, Data, Mm -hmm. Brett Data. I don't know. I can't remember his... Brett Data? Brett Data. (laughs) Brett Spiner. Brett Spiner, that's right. Brett Spiner. You could see how good he is.
1: Yeah, nobody knows that Data actually has a first name. (laughs) It's Brett.
2: (laughs) It's Brett. (laughs) Brett Data. (laughs) Uh, But you could actually see how good of an actor he is when he plays the lore. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
3: Or whenever like in the Generations movie, where he puts in his memory chip for no reason and I was trying to figure out why does he even put... not his memory chip but his emotions chip right what does he even put it in it's because brent Spiner went up to the directors and said this is a movie i want to act right (laughs) so that's the only reason they even put the emotion chip in was for that just to give him some range in a movie yeah no so i think that that's what they're trying to do but it backfires
1: yeah yeah as bad as Sadiq is in this, the other actors doing all right job. Like Cisco's great in this. Cisco's
2: great. Oh, he's a badass.
1: Mm-hmm. And then Renee Aberginwa, like noticing just like little character bits, like the way he holds himself as a ship shafter. Yeah, I just noticed, like he he arches his head forward and he's kind of kind of bent over. Oh, that's kind of neat. great. I thought the girl, the Bantica's whatever, <laughs> Julie Caitlin Brown.
3: Yeah, I thought that that actress was was fine. She was. I think a little bit, a little click
2: above Star Trek good. Ooh. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> definitely agree. She actually made that character seem like it existed in an interesting world. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She, like, That uh, character has seen some shit mm-hmm. and was the only person equipped to deal with it.
3: Yeah, my hobby horse of not liking Nana Visitor, I actually wrote She's a better Kira than Kira?
2: Oh,
1: yeah.
3: Oh, I can see that. The thin-faced lady? Doggedly,
2: like, single-focused and, yeah. Yeah. That's a good... No, I could, I could kind of see that. You're not wrong. <laughs> Do you guys think that there's, like, a special Federation law for, like, a section of Federation law? Like somebody's specialty of studying case studies of when Federation officers have had their bodies taken over (laughs) by by another party. (laughs) Right. Because it happens so often. Yes.
1: Somebody's written their dissertation on that, yeah, back at the Academy.
2: (laughs) Oh, I'm sure there has. I mean, Picard... I mean, Borg, but he's not, he's not held responsible for any of that shit. Yeah. Uh, Bashir straight up kills some folks. Yeah. But he's not going to be held responsible. It's because it's like, oh, it's, he's, un- he's covered under fill in the blank, mm-hmm. you know, statute <laughs> law or yeah, there's a statute. What's well, not,
3: a, he doesn't even have any legal issues. It's not like he has to like, you know, like it would be funny if like six episodes later, they all have to cheer Bashir up because he's been drowning in debt due to legal issues over the killing of these <laughs> six guys. Oh Yeah.
1: Yeah, they resolve these thorny <laughs> issues pretty fast, like, oh, we have a clone yeah. that we just created? No, oh, just let it go. Fuck it.
2: Oh, Julian just killed a bunch of people?
1: Fuck it. Uh, he was taken over by this Vantica character. Not, Not his, his fault. fault.
2: Fuck it. If this, if this show was made in 2015, the characters would have to deal with their actions throughout the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And, or the, You know what I mean? I mean, Bashir would be a little bit fucked up that he just killed some guys. Yeah. You know, cuz he's a like a moral person. He's a doctor.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's got the god complex from the very beginning. He's like, yeah, but yes, I can do anything. I can create life and I can take it away.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you're right. I mean, and I think that that's the problem with this show, right, Mail? and it's unfortunate that it's right out of the gate, is they're just doing Star Trek
2: episodes, man. They're not doing Deep Space Nine episodes. Yeah. Actually, it's an improvement, because this last episode and this episode, we have half... Star Trek and Half Deep Space Nine. Yeah, and the part of this episode we like is when is the Deep Space Nine half of uh-huh. the Premen character.
3: Yeah, because I mean I like that the idea that there's this that that's what's keeping ultimately that's what's great about Deep Space Nine in the later seasons is that you see the Federation as this stodgy bullshit. They're good guys, but they come in with a bunch of bullshit and they come in with a Federation way. That chafes everyone around them,
2: including the viewer who's <laughs> been big fans of the Federation for like twenty years or whatever at this point.
3: Yeah, exactly. And so that's sort of the fun of it, and you get to see that with Premon. Is that Cisco says, you know, I'm I'm not saying we we had I'm not saying we had our Federation ways, but we have to you know we have to be conscious around other people. Of everything he says to the guy.
2: I mean, and I think that that was well done, and I think it was well written. Cisco seems like he's actually given a lot of thought on how he needs to run that station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of depth to that character that I appreciate. Yeah.
1: He plays both sides really well. Odo comes up and starts whining, like, come on, Odo, get over it. But then when the like, primmons goes in the office, he's like, you got to do what Odo says.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, that's great stuff.
3: He's a, uh, yeah, it's really, really well done. I mean, and he's a, uh, it's one of those, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not the first, I think maybe Roger Ebert was the first person to say, sometimes it's a pleasure to watch a movie where characters are just doing their occupation well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, if you make a movie about, you know, just guys who work, you know, like West Wing was just a whole show built around people doing their jobs well. Everybody's like really good at their jobs. And there's just a joy that you watch in taking watching that happen.
2: Yeah. I think that th- that's definitely at play here whenever yeah. we like it it's because <laughs> the characters are firing on all cylinders. Yeah,
3: yeah. Cisco's just doing his job well. Yeah. He's it's not just that he's an interesting character it's that he's being a you see him be a good commander. Right. Mm-hmm. Even when it's not in consequence to the
2: plot of the episode. So that's nice. Well guys, what do you guys think is there anything you would have changed about this episode?
1: Uh well There was one other thing. I don't know. This is like um, Angry Nerd Corner. Just little science facts. I
2: like Angry Nerd Corner. Angry Nerd Corner. Yeah,
1: okay. Angry Nerd Corner. Okay. Okay, for one, they talk about, oh, the guy was in the loading area with an anti-grav generator. Why not just shut off the gravity generator? But whatever, that doesn't matter. <laughs> and then they get back to the like, oh, well, he's hiding somewhere, Vatica's somewhere in the brain because we only use a small portion. Of the, that, mm-hmm. it's that whole, the human only the uses 10% rate. of that brain, which is a lie. That's total bullshit. Right. I
3: wrote that they did specifically didn't say 10%, but you could see they wanted to. Right. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to so bad, yeah.
1: And then they're like talking about, oh, there's these biocoded messages in the brain and they've got it down to a science. Mm-hmm. How do um, Vulcans do it then? I don't know. Yeah, well,
3: <laughs> he they did, he they a, did mention that. He does mention that no one's ever done that about a Vulcan. No, they mentioned it. No non yeah. Vulcans ever done and
1: that. And then. They have, like, it down to a science, but they don't explain anything about, I don't know. Okay, Angry Nerd Corner is just me being angry. No,
2: no I'm okay, Those are I'm all gonna... valid points. I think we've had, we've had Angry Nerd Corner before where we've talked yeah. about why do they even have pylons? Yes. <laughs> yeah, right.
3: I got to think, okay, well, I'm going to add to Angry Nerd Corner. Oh, Why <laughs> can can Romulans not do it? They say only Vulcans. All there. right. Well, but Vulcans and Romulans aren't that different.
1: Romulans are too overcome with emotions to be able to control it.
3: Oh, so I think it that, takes yeah. a Vulcan-like that
1: logic and
3: constitution to yeah,
1: yeah, and concentration. Whereas that's the main main difference between Romulans and Vulcans is Romulans are emotional, yeah, right, right, all right. And then uh, something about power wave guides. I don't know what that means. Uh,
2: I um, don't know what that means either. <laughs> yeah, all the techno babble in this episode was really weak. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Is there, okay, I would, well, can we talk about Techno Babel since we're we're about to, like, it seems like we don't have a ton to say on this episode. So let's just talk about Techno Babel in general. Go for it. Because I wrote this last week. Did they just have did they just take like one week Mark Pillar came in and said Wednesday through Friday I just want you guys working on writing like person A person B techno bible conversation and then you just have them like as clip art that you can just kind of shunt into a script cuz when it's like main character walks into what what are they they don't call it the, the bridge what do they call it ops ops walks into ops and cisco is hunched over dax and they're saying two things you know does the i mean it seems like that would be nice of the writer just just gets to go and picks from like the take it from the clip art the google document and so there's one guy writing all that stuff instead of like everybody having to come out with their own techno babble bullshit
1: yeah hopefully (laughs) is
3: that the way that what do you think they do do you think they do that
1: i don't know They've got like one Asperger's guy <laughs> that's yes. just on the writing staff just to do that. So he just really loves it because that's what he grew up loving about Star Trek. And all right. We got the one guy. Because
3: wouldn't that be a lot easier than having to tell all these guys that pitch your shit off the streets that like, no, you you know, you're using the shield versus the deflectors differently. I don't know because you're, you're right because I find all of the techno babble is not. You're right. In this episode, it was bad. In
2: some episodes, it's better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other episodes, it's serviceable. Yeah, you know where it's like you could kind of wrap through your mind about what they're they're saying. Yeah, this what Wade's talking about here is absolutely right. It's just garbage, mm-hmm. just trying to move the ball down the field, plot wise. Yeah,
1: yeah, and Deridium, which is what they're the whole shipment's about. Mm-hmm. They're already mining diridium in the Gamma Quadrant. Yeah. whatever the Finface race that Vatica and the better uh, Kira, better Kira, <laughs> their race needs diridium to survive for some reason.
3: Yeah, their cells don't. Yeah, hold or something, and so the Kobliad, the Kobliad, right? Yes, their cells are falling apart. And so they need the deridium to
1: hold their cells together, right? Okay, so if they don't have it, that fin in the middle, of their face splits, and they just kind of... Or,
3: or, or if they have enough of it, maybe it goes away. Their hairstyle gets uh, <laughs> symmetrical, and they get attractive.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe because like who's mining this deridium? Because when Julian steals the ship and speaks in his bad Bella Lugosi Hannibal Lecter, mm-hmm. because they skipped on the makeup on that because all the people that he kills they're all human. <laughs> they're like, "Uh, yeah, yeah uh, we true. don't have time for makeup." So, if the Kobold are mining it, maybe they do lose their fin when they get enough cuz whoever those people were didn't have any makeup.
3: Well, they were mining it in the Gamma Quadrant. Yeah. So though we haven't actually had a tr- proper first contact yet, we are already stripping the Gamma Quadrant for resources.
1: Yeah. So That was quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they just assume because this is like an episodic anthology series oh, we can just drop in without any callback because it's understood that they've just been at their status quo for a while at any random episode.
3: Yeah, they're they're not thinking that 20 years from now three losers are going to have a podcast where they talk about (laughs) this for an hour (laughs) an episode. Yeah, right. Right, so if they had only knew then, they would have. So, yeah, I'm... Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's all.
3: One interesting tidbit is that the actress, uh, her name is Julie Caitlin Brown, who played the, the fin face better than Kira. She uh she went on to be in another Star Trek episode, a Next Generation episode. And then she did two seasons on Babylon 5 and took that success to turn to having a recording album. She has an album that she appears on the cover and all of the liner notes are written as her character from Babylon 5.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> She should do an album with um, Dr. Crusher.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah.
1: Beverly Crusher released a bad jazz vocal album, right? Well, she wasn't the the main in Babylon. She was only in the...
3: 23 episodes. I don't know Babylon 5. Uh, okay. um, I don't know. It seems like, no, she's, because it looks like they have up to 110 episodes and she was only in 23 of them. Uh, okay. And so she wasn't, I get the feeling she's a later edition. Wait, no, she's first season. Maybe she Denise crosby them. Yeah, she's
2: first season, so maybe she did. Just, she was the Denise Crosby in battle. She Denise <laughs> crosby them. That's exactly what happened. Awesome. All right, do you guys have anything you want to, any additional thoughts on maybe anything else? I guess we got to do what things we would change, even though that's all this episode has been. Well, you know, if you want to just uh, put a bow on it, that that's fine. Hmm. Would you change anything that we haven't talked about? Yeah, you, you. Me? I would, I would have changed. I, what I would probably have done is, I'd gone back in time and scrubbed O'Brien and put Premon in, in some <laughs> capacity. <laughs> That's kind of what I was like. I would have made
1: Premon a recurring character at the beginning. It's like he is. Oh, are they going to bring this guy back? Nope.
3: <laughs> well, what is that? I mean, essentially, Worf kind of takes that role, right? In later seasons, they bring him on to be like a wartime security guy. Oh
1: yeah, yeah.
2: For the Dominion. Am I correct on that? Basically, yeah. No, I don't. I don't quite remember. They what they they bring him on as a security guy, basically, right? He's not a security guy. He they, they bring the him in. He's the captain of the Defiant. Right, yes, right he's the right, captain of it. the Defiant, which is just like the special attaché to the station. Spoilers. He's the captain of the Defiant, which is basically makes him the special attaché to the station. He's basically like a like a mall cop, right? Yeah. But like patrolling the wormhole or whatever. Odo is still station security. And I think every once in a while they talk about how they would have done things differently. Like they compare style a little bit. But I'm talking about using Priman as a as a character in place of O'Brien. And I think that was my, my problem was is that
1: they have completely different jobs. He's a security liaison and O'Brien's an engineer.
2: I think you're saying maybe give Colmeanie the job of Federation Security attache that wouldn't that wouldn't make sense eh? no i would probably make dax the head engineer and i would make premin the second command of security and have that be a running because all dax is at this point is a backup if something breaks and o'brien can't fix it dax fixes it if somebody gets hurt or something goes on medically and Bashir's out of commission dax checks it out she's like an all-purpose well she does have an official position as the science officer which is what a, spock was Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a cool position. They don't utilize it at all. They sure don't. Yeah.
0: That's what don't. I'm saying.
2: They might as well have her be something else because they don't utilize that at any level. Yeah. <laughs> much less an interesting one.
3: No, I agree.
1: Well, I don't hate O'Brien as much as you do. <laughs> yeah, I know
3: that your, your hatred of O'Brien is I, I, I'm starting to kind of understand your perspective on it, but I still just don't share it.
2: But I agree with you that Priman in this episode is nice. He's more interesting in this one episode than O'Brien has been in the entire s- series so far. I don't know if I agree with that. He's got a conflict. O'Brien, <laughs> o- O'Brien, it just has. They just give him like a wife who doesn't like it there,
3: but she's over that. You and Cisco need to let that go. She was angry for like a little bit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they need to let it go because they keep on reminding us. They need somebody. I don't. I don't want to
1: hear what Priman's love life is like. Honestly, though.
2: Okay, so let me look.
1: It's James Lashley.
3: I love it. He's in real movies too. He's in Wild Wild West. <laughs> real movies.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like how that's your first one that you go to.
3: Well, that's his third to it on uh, IMDb. Uh, let me see. He is in the next episode also. Yeah. So
2: he's a two... He comes okay. back. He's in it for like three episodes. Yeah. Oh, okay. As soon as like Con Air wraps, he's gone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yes. But yeah.
3: So he's doing okay. I, I I like him too. I think he's the best thing about this episode. This came close to being the best episode since the pilot. This came really close to that. But they just, they just dropped the... Like it just didn't work. What they... Like, if they had just shot it, if they had made all of their filming decisions
2: differently, it would have worked for me. <laughs> what do you think, Wade? Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think, I think the main problem is that they just don't know what they're doing with the Julian Bashir character yet. Yes, right. And then it's so ham-fisted, his whole characterization, that it just like, okay, they're doing a Julian episode, kind of, but
2: it's just like, it sucks. As far as he But they double down on it. On every, like, we, don't, okay, we didn't know what we are doing last time. But here it is, for real this time, guys. And it's and it's <laughs> That's true. Even. They
1: do make a choice. Yeah. He's right. Right. And I feel like this, they decided that, like, oh, this is the first episode. And we're going to end with trying to humanize him. But we're not going to do that. Until like one line at the very end where he says something like, "Oh, I'm embarrassed."
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That the one thing I would change is that I would make it whatever he did to get uh, Vantica into himself, whatever that the the sort of mechanism which here that's just he injects him with finger syringes or something. I don't know, like you know, future futuristic little they inject it with his fingernails. But if they had done it to where Julian's hubris brought it into himself and more in just that he wanted to say, I mean, because I've read that I watched that scene is just that Julian, I I, I see now that you're, you're probably right. But if he, he had consciously through trying to go too far or trying to save him too much, ended up unlocking it to where you actually see like that. His, his self-regard and his sort of belief in his powers and his not listening to anyone else around him and yes specifically women because you have portrayed him as a womanizer like if that becomes a thing and then he's humbled through this whole process by that you can even say i, I you know he says i feel awful about everything that goes on and then Kira can say but it wasn't your fault he goes but it kind of was yeah you know that kind of character development at the end that would have been nice yeah but at this point he is mostly just a victim of circumstance
2: yeah Yeah, that would have been a lot
3: better than what we saw yeah
1: your your whole explanation there was just
3: that if he had welcomed in vantica's sort of possession of him and he allows vantica to enter him and then all of the bad shit happens and at the end he gets to feel guilty not for what vantica did while in bashir while inside bashir but actually what he did to bring Vantiga there. That if he could feel like it was his fault. Yeah. That that would be that would be a lot more fulfilling and you would actually have a you know, a true character arc instead of him just being a victim of circumstance, which is what you have in this episode.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that's good insight. You're right. I mean, I can make the point one more time. No. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any thoughts for, on your end, Wade?
3: Yeah. What would you change?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I would have just tweaked Julian's little arc there and figure out more. I mean, but that's easy to say in hindsight. Yeah. They should have made him better. <laughs> yeah. They tried. <laughs> they
3: should have acted it better. That's for yeah. sure. But... They
1: should have just done a better job. That's what I would have <laughs> done. Yes. Are we ready to put a bow on this? I think we might I be. Think so.
3: I will say that next week's episode, I, I will just tease it as I re- I've read that it is Avery Brooks' least favorite episode of Deep Space Nine. Oh
2: man, I <laughs> oh, can't boy. wait! Oh man, <laughs> I gotta watch that shit right now. <laughs> so yes, that's that's uh, just a tease it for next week. <laughs> nice.
1: All right. Well, that has been us talking. That's us doing the roles of acquisition. Keep listening. Follow us on Twitter and whatnot. And we'll see you uh, next week. Awesome.
2: Three to beam out. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you got I, that. I, I, I'll never forget. Believe me. I just I, That's the highlight of my night, <laughs> saying that dumb thing.
0: Please follow us on Twitter at AcquisitionPod. And on Tumblr at the TheRulesOfAcquisitionPodcast.tumblr.com send us an email at rulesofacquisitionpodcast@gmail.com. podcast at gmail.com you can turn this off now it's pretty pathetic that you are still listening do you not have friends or a hobby that is not star trek podcast related That is possibly why people are fearful for the future of our society. We believe in you. We know you are better than this. Louis likes his daily.